0: This is America's the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's good to be here today. I've, I've missed you the last few weeks. Well,
0: I was here. We were waiting on you. Well, you know, I, no, I, I had
1: taken a short break uh, to go to Hawaii for uh, about 10 days and mm-hmm. coincided with a couple of broadcasts. So I do, I do apologize to the listeners for not getting new material up, but I do appreciate them downloading the old podcast and listening to them. Kind of a best of. How many podcasts have we done so far? Got to be well over hundred, no? I. Uh,
0: you know, I'd have to. I mean, because it's been what, yeah. six
1: years we've we'll been doing this. Five, at least five. Five, five yeah. Five years yeah. we we'll doing this. So we probably get twenty or thirty a year, so I imagine. Um, uh, goodly number.
0: Yeah, yeah. Number. Probably closer to two hundred. Yeah, maybe 200. you You're right. Six. Yeah. Uh, that'd be almost three hundred. Yeah, we do
1: every week, so let's, I would go with two hundred. But uh, that's that's. We should count them. We should we should be, we should have a special of special 200th anniversary broadcast of the, of the, the Immigration <laughs> well, on you know, America's Web Radio.
0: The only problem is that uh, immigration has, as you have taught me, changes, in, and obviously a change with this administration oh, and yeah. in different things, so um, you know, it. it it can become old news very quickly, as as we saw over this yep. weekend.
1: Yeah, just really, really, very really quick. I'll just give you a quick garden update, uh, David. Uh, there is no garden update. <laughs> <laughs> my, that's uh,
0: and I don't think there's going to be one this weekend, from what no, I understand. No, I, I'm going to try, try to, to
1: plant my tomato plants, uh, my seeds, and get them started this weekend.
0: Though I uh, I looked at, I went down, and I've got to replace all my deer screening for my garden. Mm-hmm. It, it sort of went up, and. Uh, Other than that, I I did finally get the big torch out. Oh, did you? The the weeds are gone.
1: Oh, did you
0: burn them or did you just just cut them down? Oh no, we burned. My son and I had a a blast though.
1: (laughs) <laughs> you know. That's it a great tank. Sounded like, sounded like we were. <laughs> tank. I love it. It's I a, wish it was like ten feet longer. You know, the the Dubai is only like ten feet long. I wish well, you know, longer. I used
0: to have when I when I farmed, I I'd put my big uh, propane tank in the back of my pickup, truck, and I had, <laughs> yeah, i say big. It was it yeah, was
1: probably a forty fifty gallon one. It was yeah, big it was ones, right.
0: Yeah, pretty good size, and we cleaned around our our water wells with it. You know, and I had a. Gosh, I've probably had a 20, 30-foot yeah, hose. Yeah, would be a lot more and, better.
1: Yeah. Not enough pressure in a, in a little propane, couple-gallon propane tank to really run one of those big ones. But uh.
0: I love it. It sounds like, you know, every time you do it, it sounds like a hot air balloon taking off. <laughs> it does, out.
1: certainly does. And it's fire. What guy doesn't like fire? That's that, uh, <laughs> so uh, late last night, uh, the uh, federal district court judge Hannon in the uh, Southern District of Texas, Brownsville Division, where I think he's actually the only judge, Issued his 123-page decision, David. 123 pages. Um, now, you know, I know the longer you write, the more it must be true, right? Isn't that, isn't that the way it is?
0: No, know, I, I think, from what I understood the early reports anyway, that uh, the guy was doing a very good job of uh, dotting his I's and crossing his T's. Oh, he,
1: he has to because he's going to be reversed on appeal. So he has to make sure that he has I'd to I'd say it's going to be appealed. I, I wouldn't say necessarily reversed. Um, but uh, the, uh, today the, the Obama administration will appeal this Now this is not a final order of course This is only a preliminary injunction at the end of the day But preliminary injunctions tend to go the way uh, Final orders tend to go the way of preliminary injunctions So I'd imagine if he ever heard the final part of this case And I don't think he's going to um, he, would, uh, he would rule uh, of course against the Obama administration uh, So I just want to kind of go through this today David Because it's obviously big news Uh, What's interesting about this is how it impacts people Because I deal on a personal level with people Not just with policy Uh, You have today in the United States uh, This morning a lot of very I'm not going to say angry or or upset I'm going to say very disappointed people Uh, Now most Americans and most foreign nationals Have no understanding how the federal court Or judicial system works you know, so all I hear this morning on news is oh, Obama plan is, is, is denied, you know, or it was stopped, um, and uh, so they look at that and go, oh, "Well, then what should I do now?" I mean, it, 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 ten people are, are calling this morning, calling our office. Lots of press are calling. Want to know what this really means? Let's talk about what this really means today. So let's talk about first what the Obama administration did. So November of uh, November twentieth, two thousand and fourteen the Obama administration issued a series of memorandum written by Secretary of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson. It's not an executive order. It's not executive action. It's actually done by the Homeland Security Secretary that created, among other things, a program called Deferred Action for Parents of Americans and Lawful Permanent Residents. Uh, This action uh, simply decided, here's basically what it is here's how we are going to enforce our immigration laws with the budget we have. And this is where I think the judge actually gets it wrong. Uh, Because at the end of the day, he treats this as if these people are getting legal status of some kind, if they're getting a long-term benefit out of this. And in reality, all this program is is selective enforcement, ordered enforcement of deportation. DAPA only gives people a work permission. And because it only gives them a work permission, uh, something by the way, David, they would have if every one of them were ordered deported and couldn't physically be deported, and put on an order of supervision. So this idea that Obama is giving something that he's not allowed to give is wrong. He's obviously clearly can do this. He's just decided to do it before. And so what you have instead of the instead of our friends at ICE going around trying to find three to five million people, three to five million people are coming forward and registering themselves with the Department of Homeland Security and saying, hey, here I am, here's my address, here's my data, and Homeland Security is saying, great, we're going to now put you into our database and our system, and in lieu of currently deporting you, and everybody knows this is a temporary thing, you know, people that are, that, that are put making plans to apply, they all know it's temporary. It could change with a new president. We're going to put you in a line which we're not going to currently deport. doesn't mean we can't deport you later. And certainly if you are of this other group of people, another memo in which you are an enforcement priority, that is you have criminal convictions that make you deportable, like DUIs, which aren't, by the way, David, a ground of deportability, uh, but which are uh, evidence of bad character to some in the world, um, then we are going to deport you. And they're actively deporting people today. Just ask the people at Stewart whether they're doing it. Uh, One one thing that's very interesting with this brief is that uh, it quotes liberally from a lot of different – sources uh, in an attempt to veil the judge's actions as being reasonable. For example, the very first part of his decision, uh, the judge quotes extensively from uh, a case you may be familiar with, for instance from Texas, called Plyler versus Doe. Have you ever heard of Plyler versus Doe? That's the school case. That's where they said everybody in America has to go to public school. Mm. And so whether you're documented or undocumented, you can get it. And he quoted this extensively. He said, Sheer capability, incapability, or lax enforcement of the laws, barring entry to this country, coupled with failure to establish an effective bar to employment, has resulted in a substantial shadow population. So he quotes a law, a a decision, from so long ago that it is effectively out of place. That is, what he's quoting is simply not the case today. Now, this is from Plano vs. Zone 82. The Attorney General recently estimated a number of illegal ads between 3 and 6 million. We know there was 3 million. Um, and said this: We have neither the resources, the capability, nor the motivation to uproot and deport millions of illegal aliens, many of whom become in affect members of the community. This is the testimony of William French Smith. You remember, remember uh, Attorney General Smith? 1981, yeah. Reagan's Attorney General. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reagan's Attorney General by granting limited legal status productive and law body members of the shadow public would recognize reality and devote our enforcement refers to reducing legal, future illegal immigration. So, this is Plyler versus Doe. So, and this is what he gets out of this. Thus, even in 82, the Supreme Court noted in Plyler that the U.S. Is probably is this for a decade. Obviously, the issues are still far from final resolution. So, as the judge goes through kind of a, a history lesson for us, um, it really says something really interesting. He makes a stunning um, conclusion stating, this influx of undocumented immigrants, which was allowed to happen under both Republican and Democratic administrations, um, uh, to say the influx of undocumented immigrants is causing the states to experience severe law enforcement problems. But he gives, the only thing he does is quote another case without actually providing any evidence but for one thing. So he's saying all these illegal immigrants have caused severe law enforcement problems, but there's no actually contrary evidence of that. So he starts off with a very factually incorrect basis for his decision. Uh, now, so he uh, gives a uh, really uh, interesting introduction on this, and it's like, huh? No, no, well,
0: I, I can only, my source was uh, USA Today,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which says that, uh, you know, the uh, Obama's ruling or, or Obama's whatever action would put a burden on, on the state's because it would uh, make the states uh, give driver's license. See, that, that's, that,
1: a, that's 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 the decision It's a joke. It's uh, a joke.
0: Because here's judge the argument. Federal because the federal action would make thousands of newly legalized immigrants eligible for Ooh, Texas driver's, driver's license. license. Right. Uh, the state charges twenty four dollars per license, yeah. but the cost it. But they cost nearly two hundred dollars for the state to process. Okay. In part because of federal mandates under the Real I- ID yeah. Act. One of, of your favorite things. Two thousand and five. Right. So, uh, you know, th- that's what they're saying. He. Well, they're
1: what saying is because in order for the judge to rule on the case, he had to find that there was actual damage to the states. So that's the first part of his case, which we'll get to. Actual. Damage. So he found that the states would have to charge that, that, that they're going to suffer. Because they have to give a driver's license. So, David, what's the solution to that? Charge $100. Or 20, so,
0: $224. Yeah,
1: so what's, this, what's the damage? I mean, this is why it's going to be overturned, because that's not damage to the state. Pass the law and say you're not going to get driver's license to people. That's what but uh, me, well, you know? wait
0: a second, though. How could they discriminate against... The illegals and charged. If they charged you two hundred and twenty-four dollars, mm-hmm. they'd have to charge somebody else. They'd to have to charge everybody two hundred twenty-four dollars, yeah. right? Which I I think there
1: would be a. But if that's the cost. Your taxes. What are you, David, you're paying it one way or the other. Either your taxes are paying it, or you're paying it out of your pocket directly to the service. You're paying it anyway.
0: I don't think Texans would uh, go for a for a two hundred dollar driver's license.
1: Well, I mean, the reality is, you already are. You already are and paying some, $200 for your driver's life, right? I mean, the states, shape, you, you know the president state's president not making maybe. any money in the business, so <laughs> the only money they have is from taxes and, and fees, right? So you're already paying for it. So where's the damage? This is why the decision is flawed, because the judge misses out on the economic logic argument here. There is no damage. There is no damage.
0: And you think it will be just immediately over? over I driving? think
1: within a, before May, the Fifth Circuit will, 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 will say... This, that there is no basis for the temporary injunction because there is no standing. All right, this is what I think is going to happen. Um, now, issues before this court. Now, before and not before this court. Although this court is not faced with either a congressional act or executive order, the sentiment expressed by Chief Justice, blah, 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 do the laws of the U.S., including the Constitution, Give the Secretary of Homeland Security the power to take the action at issue in this case. Nevertheless, before the court addresses the address of this issue, it finds that the issue can best be framed by which is not involved in this case. This case does not involve the wisdom or lack thereof of J. Johnson's award of legal presence status. This is where it's just a, it's just a legally incorrect decision by the judge. There's no status here. And lawful presence is not lawful status. Doesn't give you the chance to do anything. Um... So, one, it's wrong, legally incorrect, which we'll see there right away, uh, to do this. Also referred, uh, in fact, he's got to go back here because the way he wrote this is, it, the issues before the court do not require the court to consider um, the issue of, and Dave, we're going to take a break here in just a second, uh, lawful presence through the deferred action for parents of Americans who are citizens of permanent residence. Um, it's not required that he decide that, all right, whether that's legal. The court will necessarily be forced to address many factors surrounding the decision, but not the actual two, with three minor exemptions this cases involve DACA. So DACA continues. Let's take a quick break here on Immigration Hour as we come back uh, here on America's Web Radio.
2: Si problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en Tremus de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy al 404-816-8611. A los 404-816-8611 or al www.immigration.net.
0: Hi, I'm Ray Bowman, hoping you'll join us each Friday at noon for our new show Food and Farm, brought to you by FeedstuffsFoodlink.com, only on America's Web Radio.
1: Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze.
0: The best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to America's Web Radio on the Immigration Hour. And what, we, well, David, we're talking today about Judge Hannon, who will never be a, a court of appeals judge. Maybe he thinks he's going to be in Maybe he thinks a Republican will win an election and he'd get to be a court of appeals judge, which, of course, would be, be filibustered by the Democrats. So he doesn't challenge that. And here's actually the flaw. So you're saying DACA, which forces states to give driver's licenses to people who wouldn't otherwise get them, you're not deciding on because it, it wasn't part of the case. But their parents, who just happen to be a little bit more of them, you are going to decide. You see the inconsistency here, David? It's a massive inconsistency. So DACA is not included in this, the original DACA. Third, the other thing is not deciding. Several of the briefs have expressed a general public perception that the President had issued an executive order implementing a blank amnesty program. And i And that this amnesty program is in a suit. Although what constitutes an amnesty program is obviously a matter of opinion, these opinions do not impact the court. Amnesty or not? And there is no amnesty here. This is what's hilarious to me, David. Amnesty. We've talked about this in many shows before. What is amnesty? What, What is it? I mean, isn't amnesty total forgiveness? In exchange for coming into compliance with the law, right? That's amnesty. Total forgiveness. Is that happening here? They're not getting any status. Can't get green cards. They can't change their status. They literally can work and not be deported while Obama's president. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's not, I don't, I mean, obviously there are people out there who believe that that's amnesty.
0: Can Uh, they, uh, in your opinion, I know what your opinion is, but it's also been brought forth that you get a driver's license, you get a social security card. And you can get voter registration.
1: That's not true in Georgia. In fact, I talked to Secretary Kemp and Secretary said Kemp about that. He said that is a lie and simply not true. There is nobody in Georgia who can vote illegally who isn't a citizen. It's not but possible. Is, that's Georgia's. What about and, and uh, virtually every state is the same. You can't why? Because every voter I everybody who registers to vote, everybody who votes, goes through the SAVE system. That's a system run by the federal government who says who's a citizen and who's not a citizen cross-checking so security and immigration records. It is simply a lie. The biggest liar out there is Chris Kobach, the Secretary of State who wrote all this crap, right? Secretary of Kansas. You know he got in trouble recently? How many cases has he put forward in Kansas people who illegally voted well, since he's been Secretary of State? Do you know? How many? Zero. Zero. Because there aren't any. <laughs> there aren't any, David. It doesn't happen anymore. Secretary, I would love that Secretary of State kept on this show today to tell you that's a lie. It does not happen and it cannot happen. Why it's a canard. It? Why it's like a unicorn uh, and a rainbow. It doesn't exist.
0: Why uh, rainbows exist. I can't. Not with uh, unicorns on them. Well, that, that may be true. Uh, then why is it
1: brought up as an issue? Because it's a great canard. David, it's the bootstrap argument. Well, if this is true, that must be true. It's the old bootstrap argument. That's people bring it up. It's a lie, David. I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes people lie, even You're on kidding. Fox News. <laughs> and and why, what do they do on NBC? They lie on there too, David. <laughs> but this idea that they're voting is simply not true. There is literally no evidence of this.
0: And no evidence in the last election of any no, fraudulent voting.
1: There is not. Well, I'm not. They, fraudulent voting is different from undocumented people voting, David. That's a different thing. I don't know there's any evidence I know people think there is but have I seen any proof you see any proof you have 26 states controlled by attorney generals Republican where's the proof who have they prosecuted where's the evidence no idea. see here's the, well here's because it doesn't exist David <laughs> pundits say it people allege it and it's not true why because it upsets it gets people who are angry and uninformed angrier so they'll come out and vote. That's what happens, David. It's designed to make people angry. But it's just not true. It's just not true. For example, David, why do you think they're cutting early voting in Georgia from 12 days to 4 days? Why? Why cut early voting? Because of fraud? No. Why are they cutting early voting? What's the no only idea. reason they're cutting early voting? I have no idea. Who votes early, David? I do. Who else votes early in big numbers? Minorities. 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 So if you're a Republican and they're not going to vote for you, what's the way for you to win more elections? Have less days voting. Bam. There you go. There you go.
0: So I mean, they, I mean I, anybody,
1: I, there's I, no logic to that other than that.
0: What is the uh, percentage? I, I didn't know that. The numbers
1: I saw a couple days ago was uh, there's a vaster, much huger percentage of minorities who vote early than white people
0: who vote early. But I, didn't.
1: I vote early, but... Numbers are just huge for for, for African-Americans, Latinos, and Asians. Hmm. Why? Because they work on Tuesdays. <laughs> People go on the weekends to vote, Sundays to vote. It's a huge deal when you only have one day off. That's why. Uh, it's, it's, it's really quite simple. Uh,
0: so maybe um, uh, what would be the chances of having uh, Secretary of State Kemp on?
1: I'll call him and see if he wants to come on. I think it'd be great.
0: You know, or we could have him on the phone even. I, I'm sure he'd do that.
1: that. I'm sure he'd do that. that we'll, maybe we'll. Give, I'll call in the Secretary's Press guy and see if we can talk. All right, he's a really good guy, and he's very adamant about this. It's just not happening. Just not happening in Georgia. Um, so the court is analyzing the following principles: one, whether the states have standing to bring this case, which means they have to show damage; two, whether the DHS has the necessary discretion to institute the DAPA program. And three, whether the adopt program is constitutional, comports with existing laws, and was legally adopted. A negative answer to the first question will negate the need for the latter two. The factual statements made hereafter should be considered as findings of fact, regardless of any handling or lack thereof. Similarly, legal conclusions, except where the court discusses the various competing legal theories, should be taken as conclusions of law, rather than any label or lack thereof. Further develop the standing, be, blah, blah, blah. So history of litigation. So they go into more history of litigation, what's going, what's, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, who's doing what and uh, there have been this is what I love here there have been several attempts made by individuals at least one attempt to be in support of plaintiffs and one of to intervene in this lawsuit I don't know if we told you about this there was this guy from Florida who owned um, I don't know like a paca farm or something who filed a motion to intervene on behalf of his employees who could now get legal work documents <laughs> really quite entertaining when you think about it um, and uh, uh, more power to him, more power to him. Uh, so as, as the judge went through, the first thing he looks at is a factual background. And uh, what he says here is, uh, for years now, the powers that be in Washington, so he, I guess he's, he's sort of a poet, namely the executive branch and Congress, have debated if and how to change the laws governing both legal and illegal immigration. This debate necessarily included a wide-ranging number of issues, including, but not limited to, border security, law enforcement, budgetary concerns, employment, social welfare, education, positive and negative immigration, and humanitarian concern. The national debate has considered potential solutions to the myriad of blah, blah, blah. To date, however, neither the pros- pr- president nor any member of Congress has proposed a solution. That, David, is not true. It's not true. I mean, clearly, solutions have been proposed. They just have not been adopted. You know, that, That's an entirely uh, different thing, wouldn't you say?
0: Now, the judge said that? The judge said that. Okay. Then he's trying to legislative of sorts. Sure
1: he is. Sure he is. This this judge is, you talk about judicial activism, this is the height, the pinnacle of judicial activism. Now, not unusual in immigration cases, I will tell you, but certainly the height of, and this is why I think it's important we people to actually read these decisions because when you read these decisions is when you find out what it is the judges really, what, what, what their background are. Um, is it capable of resolving these issues? Well, yeah, actually there have been things in the past that could pass. That passed the Senate. But there are people who don't want it to pass statement and they control the power. So he, go, he goes to the history of DACA um, and uh, talks about DACA a little bit, what DACA is. And uh, part of DACA's, um, uh, 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 what it does, how it helps people, etc. cetera, um, the states contend, and what they say this, as part of the DACA review program, 723 DACA applications accepted, 5% denied. Okay, this is funny. They can, people make it deep only 5% have been denied. Well, would you apply for a benefit you weren't entitled to that cost mm-hmm. you $500? That, when you had no money, would you do it? No. No. So it, it, to talk about the denials and grant rates is a joke because people self select who are applying. They're not going to apply unless they qualify. And still, even then, 38,000 have been denied. Not because there's massive amounts of fraud, because I will tell you that the DHS takes a long time in judging these cases but because the folks just don't qualify. Okay. Now, top four reasons for denying. You're wrong form, bad signature to complete the form below the age of 15 and not eligible to apply. Despite a request by the court, the government's counsel did not provide the number, if any, of the crests that were denied, even though the applicant met the DACA criteria set out. See, the court made a big deal about this. It says, it's not really a discretionary program if you don't exercise your discretion. So, because what they said is a case-by-case basis, we'll consider it, but we'll approve you if you meet these criteria. So the court really takes a is red herring, this idea that it's discretionary, because it is discretionary whether they grant it to you, in the context of you having, for example, a conviction that maybe you should or should not be granted. Now I'll give you an example. A DUI that has been expunged by the state. So the state no longer considers it as a crime. But under, technically under immigration law, it could still be a crime. Except DUIs aren't a basis to be deported. And I've had cases where they have said, denied, you've got to expunge, but you're going to be denied. I've also seen them grant such cases. So there is an element of discretion here. Uh, but in oral argument, they couldn't present a case. but it's not relevant because the discretion is the, the program itself. If you meet these base criteria, we're probably going to approve you. And why not? And, and that's the discretion because you meet the base criteria. The discretion is if you don't meet the criteria, we're not going to approve you. So you set up so his thing is, well, you set up a program in which you're not exercising discretion. The discretion is the setting up of the program. And so he took something that was untrue and then used it as a basis t- for standing in his case. So it's not really a discretionary case. Um, and here says this. The state's content is evidence that the DHS employees who process applications are required to issue deferred action any of who meets the criteria and not allowed to use any real discretion. Any re- real, whatever real discretion is. Okay, uh, when it comes to the warning deferred action. Okay, uh, but the deferred action is discretion is the actual program. Now similarly, it says the president and the National Citizenship and Immigration Services Council, a union, declared that the DHS has been taking multiple steps to ensure the DOC applicants are simply rubber stamped if they meet the criteria. Now. Palinakis uh, is the head of this group and they're really, an, it's pretty really funny it's a group of anti-immigration people who work for the Immigration Service <laughs> it'd be like if the IRS employed a bunch of tax protesters does the IRS employ any tax protesters? I don't think so I don't think so either <laughs> and you know David, there actually is no union there's no union because when because when, when the Congress set up DHS, it barred unions from DHS, did you know that? So they have a
2: council who represent them, but it's not Mm -hmm. a unit.
1: Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's web radio.
2: Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle a las 404-816-8611, a 404-816-8611, al www.immigration.net.
1: With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the uh, next segment on Immigration Hour. Now, David, uh, really, there's some very interesting things in this, in this decision that point to the bias of the judge against this case to start with. And so he, like every good lawyer, David, I can argue both sides of a case. Okay? Whether I believe in them or not, I can argue them. Uh, but as a judge, that's not your job. As a judge, your job is to look at the facts and then look at the law and make a reasoned decision without bias. Now, I have to ask you, David, do you think that's even possible? Without bias? Without bias, do all, don't we inherently bring bias with us? If you're human. Yeah, you're, we have a bias. Now, I'm not saying, we're not arguing prejudice. We're asking bias. I, I have a worldview. I have experiences. And they, they form who I am uh, as I move forward. Um, but as a judge, you're supposed to kind of take this out. Take your experiences out and just look at the law as, because we, like the, statue, the Statue of Justice, Lady Justice, is simply blindfolded. And she's be weighing on the scales which side is heavier. That does not happen here. And I'll give you an example. Um, The the plaintiffs in this state The states argue the program was politically motivated And implemented illegally The first proposition is not a concern of this court But the second is To support the latter proposition The states quote President Obama This is where they have President Obama saying for the last six years You know I don't have authority to change the law Which is true He doesn't have authority to change the law I don't have authority to grant people legal status He has said that over and over again All of that is absolutely true but here's the conundrum. That's not what this does. This doesn't change the law, because this is not law. This is regulation, and he does have the power to change regulation. Now, you might say, well, Chuck, that's a very fine line, but it's not a fine line. It's a, a well-drawn well line. It's been existing for 250 years. We have laws, and then we have regulations implementing those laws, and the president's giving authority to do that. He's not giving anybody legal status. We know that. We know this judge doesn't understand that, but they're not legal status. So we know that he has made factual errors here in his, in his, just in the initial wording of this statement. Uh, okay, factual errors.
0: Why? Is this because he wasn't because he, well advised or he Because he doesn't want to be. Okay.
1: See, what you do when you're a judge, you want to make a decision that, that comports with your worldview. You take the facts as you see them and you say X plus Y equals Z. Well, there you go. But you're making X and Y equal Z. So 2 plus 2 equal 4. But that second 2 was really a 3, and you had to make a couple changes to it to make it look like a 2. And now it's 4. And that's what you do here. You, you manipulate the facts, you generalize, you hyperbolize, and then you draw a conclusion from that. Lots of websites like that out there too. Daily Caller, Fox News, Dredge Report. of hyperbole with incorrect conclusions. And what happens a lot of times is America is we read headlines. We love headlines, right, David? Big, bold headlines. And then we don't read the story. We don't read the story. Um, so the government denies, of course, all this stuff to take care clause. So the case presents three discrete legal issues. First, the government has none of the places have standing. Okay. Two, the government argues discretionary decisions are not subject to the APA. And finally, the government claims it's mere guidance to employees. Deleted eligibility and which they are not bound to honor. Okay, so the judge, what the judge did in this case, is found uh, that uh, the standing was because of the damage in having to issue driver's licenses, driver's licenses, um, and it costs the state money to issue driver's licenses, and therefore uh, they uh, they have they, they're damaged because it costs them four hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. Instead of forty-five, this is a joke. As the government said a rebuttal in rebuttal in, in their argument, don't issue driver's licenses. Okay, they don't issue them. Our state's considering that right now. No, I think that's I think that's probably unconstitutional as well. But and a bad public policy. Charge people for them. And he, if undocumented immigrants, David, are they paying taxes?
0: If they buy something, they Absolutely
1: are. Do. Uh, do does every American who gets a driver's license pay taxes? Every Does every American who gets a driver's license pay taxes?
0: I would assume. David. If they bought something, they did.
1: Okay, so sales tax. What yeah. about income taxes? They pay every American who gets drivers pay income taxes?
0: No. But well, we still give
1: but well, we still give them driver's licenses, no. right? So what's the difference? People well they don't pay taxes. Well, you know, you know they pay sales taxes. Many of them pay, do pay income taxes. Um, but probably at a higher rate than Americans pay income taxes. Probably. Uh, so you've got a really interesting issue here. Yes, the state is damaged by issuing driver's licenses to people who wouldn't normally get them under their state law, but at the same time, they one, could charge for them, and two, people are paying for them, not damaged, because now now it's the individuals who are damaged because they're paying taxes to get the license they can't get. And so isn't the reverse argument also true, David?
0: <laughs>
1: you can't then legally deny me a license because I'd pay taxes for that. Wouldn't that make a great equal protection argument? See, the things the judge misses here is really, and this is why I think it's going to be overturned. Okay. Um, now, the uh, the standing issue, as this judge uh, uh, found it, um, the uh, uh, the court, as it went forward in ruling on on the challenge, uh, that the the states bore the burden, which is true, of demonstrating that they had requisite standing. Uh, but it's, interesting. it's not necessary for all plaintiffs to demonstrate anything. One party was standing as sufficient. And so, they had, so he, he fo- instead of focusing on all 26 states, he just focused on Texas because th- it, was, it was where he was, right? So Texas argues we're a new class of individuals out of Lifford license. Texas document publishes 1.6, so 500,000 people in Texas will get driver's license. They pay $24 for a license. It will cost the state $198 to process each license. So not $200, it's $198. For net loss of 174 dollars, um, and uh, that would that net loss would be several million dollars to the state. I mean that that's that's their position. Uh, now, instead, he, here's what he quotes: the defendants concede a direct and genuine injury to a state's own proprietorship may give rise to standing. Okay, so that he what he's what he's arguing is this one little clip from the, from Obama's brief said you agree that they have standing. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the next court that looks at this will clearly rule uh, that uh, there is in fact no standing here uh, for the state's driver's licenses as part of this. Because therefore, if Texas or any other non circuit sought to avoid an equal protection challenge, it's interesting because the Ninth Circuit has said there is no standing on this. So even though this this law freezes the case nationwide, it may not freeze it in the Ninth Circuit. Um, The plaintiff states of all the Ninth Circuit do not even have the option of trying to protect themselves. This is hilarious. so this is, uh, you know, I, I and I and I could go on and read lots of stuff here in this in this case uh, about uh, the idea of standing. But at the end of the day, David, I think it gets to the primary issue in the case: who is damaged by this? Who, first of all, we're talking. Let's say there really are three million people that would apply for this. That's less than one percent of the U.S. population, right? So we're having a massive political. Social fight about one percent of the U.S. population. Is that good for America? Who's hurt by one percent of the population having a driver's license? Who's hurt by that? One percent. Nobody. Who benefits from it? And maybe it's a better question. Everybody.
0: Why? Well, I, I assume this case was presented by the Attorney General of Texas. Are yes. his staff? Or yes.
1: Yeah. And, and twenty-six other Attorney Generals, including ours.
0: Why? uh, Why would they present something that you're saying is going to be thrown out in a heartbeat? Because
1: they're making this. This is not about the law, David. This is about politics, which is entirely different. This is a political lawsuit. This is not a lawsuit about anything other than politics. How many Democratic attorney generals have sued Obama?
0: None, I suppose.
1: None. None. So it's about politics. Are you saying that um, uh, Democrats are smarter or understand the law better? No. These are probably very smart people, these attorneys generals. I know Sam Owens is a very smart guy. Um, so what is it about then? It's not about the law. It's about politics. But
2: ultimately, and in fact, the,
1: the entire U.S. Congress, was the Republicans in the Congress were counting on this lawsuit going their way because they want to shut down Homeland Security. See, now they can have a vote on funding Homeland Security completely because this program is not going to go into effect, supposedly, with this thing. We're going to see how Boehner reacts to this. It's going to be interesting to see whether he allows the vote to change. Let's let's vote on a straight funding bill because they can't run this bill. And then what's going to happen? The Fifth Circuit's going to overturn this stay or the Supreme Court's going to overturn this stay and it's going to be implemented anyway. This is about politics. At the end of the day, David, this is about politics, not about law. When it only affects 1% of the population, it's about politics. Isn't it funny that we can't find a solution for 1% of the population? <laughs> Isn't that just really tragically funny that we would it's just let just this go like this? It's tragic. This is, a, this is not funny. This is not hilarious. This is not sad. This is tragic that there are people out there who don't want a solution, don't want a solution to a problem that impacts people. Fellow citizens, fellow Americans, friends. I mean, I would think that we would be better off focusing our attention on catching the bad guys, deporting bad guys, preventing bad guys from coming in the country, rather than separating and destroying families. Uh, I mean, it's much the same reason they give here in Georgia for not giving tuition to, in state tuition to, to people who have DACA. Well, they came illegally, it's babies mostly. Uh, but they went to our high schools their best friends are Americans and now we're saying we're going to deprive you of a right to live legally and get an education in the United States because of what your parents did what kind of public policy is that that's just stupid it's bad public policy these kids are clearly not going anywhere at the end of the day even Republicans are going to give them a green card at the end of the day so who are we really hurting here ourselves we're hurting our community. We're hurting our society. We're depriving ourselves of great talent. Um, it's really tragic that that ultimately these kind of decisions play so well for such a small minority of very active voters uh, that it controls the, the opinions of politicians, men and women who should know better uh, and should lead rather than simply follow. Uh, and, you know, people like my congressman, Tom Price, who do a terrible job of leading, but do a much better job of following public opinion. David, I would give my left arm to have a real leader pop up into the national scene. Say, this is what we're going to do, and here's why we're going to do it. This is good for America. If you've got a problem with it, I'll debate you anywhere, anytime about this. And get rid of the rhetoric. I think you win over hearts and minds rapidly. But, David, unfortunately... I don't see that leader anywhere. You see them anywhere? Hmm. No. Either party? No. I, I don't, don't see them in either party. I don't see them out there. Uh and uh you
0: We have become a me society.
1: We've become like lemmings. Easily lit off the cliff. Uh and that's a tragedy for America. I mean this is a this case is a symptom of a bigger problem. The bigger problem is our inability to lead internationally and you can blame Obama all you want. Bush was no better. Clinton was no better about this. We haven't had a real leader in the White House in quite some time. Somebody who could explain his position and live by it. Um, And I mean, I just don't see that changing in the next next two years either. Um, But you know, as as I read this 123-page decision this morning, David, and and I did read the 123-page decision. uh, one of the very interesting things is this. I'll give you a little quote. It's from page 53 of the brief. The states focus on the individuals that would have been deported without legal granted status by DAPA, alleging their continued presence will increase state costs. Okay. The states argue that DHS has decided it will not enforce removal statutes with regard to at least 4.3 million people, Applies hypothetically millions of others that apply, but are not given legal presence. They conclude in the absence of the DAPA program, the DHS in its normal course of proceedings would have removed at least some of these individuals. Thus, DAPA will allow some individuals who otherwise have been deported to remain in the States. Here's what the judge said. The government has made no cogent response to this argument other than this very simple cogent response. We have been provided funds by the United States Congress that allow us to deport 400,000 people a year. We choose to focus that effort on people who have committed crimes, people who shouldn't be here in the first place, people who are a danger to our community and to our way of life. We have not been given funds to deport 4.3 million people, and literally we can't. Now, I would have said, yes, one or two, or they may have been deported. But here's what's really interesting, David, and the judge doesn't really get into this in any, in any, in any real way, Well, we'll get into this and we'll take a break. We'll take our final break here on Immigration Hour and come back on America's Web
2: Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el Internet, www.immigration.net.
1: Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the final segment here on America's uh, Web Radio, the Immigration Hour, David. Well into our 200th and something episode, I would imagine, <laughs> right? If you would count those for me. If you, how many we have? Um, but, uh, I'll send you
0: the, a list and you can count them. I count, <laughs> you send
1: me a list and I'll count them. I know they're all up on the web somewhere, right? They're all Some, up on iTunes or up something. In up in the cloud somewhere. Up um, in the cloud somewhere. Now, interesting. The states are correct is, was it, that there are a number of individuals that fall each category. Uh, immigration experts estimate 178,000 illegal aliens self-deport every year. 178,000 self-deport every year. 178,000. So, if we waited for everybody to self-deport, how long would that take? <laughs> that would be ever. Uh Though the DHS would likely cap the number of individuals deported and estimate the number that self-deported over the last five years, it would otherwise qualify for adoption. Evidence is not in the record. His reasonable conclude, however, that none of these individuals would have self-deported or moved to the country. The absence of these individuals would likely reduce the state's costs associated with legal immigration. If there are actual state costs, now here's what's interesting. The government has not directly addressed the suppositions inherent in this argument. He makes a position that illegal immigration costs states money. That's not what the facts suggest. In fact, Texas's own government, about a decade ago, said that illegal immigration was a $2 billion net benefit to the state. Not a cost. He ignored again. Facts have a way of coming around when they bite you in the butt, and you're not ignoring them. Specifically, this government suggests that Amakai suggests that any potential reduction in state costs that could have been anticipated in the absence of DAPA will be offset by the productivity of DAPA recipients. This court, however, with no record before it, has no empirical way to evaluate the accuracy. Yet you assume that the states are correct that it costs money. Um, a theory without supporting evidence is—I yes, love this—a theory. Without supporting evidence, get the next part of this quote, support a finding of redressability. Based on the record, presence of damages or offsetting benefits is too speculative to be relied upon, by like this or any other court. Um, so you've got the judge spends a big chunk of the decision on the standing issue. Uh, but really, the judge at the end of the day ruled this that the DHS should have gone through the Administrative Procedures Act to implement new rules. And they didn't. They didn't. They didn't go through the Administrative Procedures Act to implement these rules. Now, the Administrative Procedures Act was created by. Uh, it, 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 the judge is wrong on a couple of things. Like for example, he says on page seventy-eight, the court finds that DAPA authorizes new status of a new status of legal presence, along with numerous other benefits to a substantial number of people who are in removable. Their status is a technical word that he gets wrong. It is not a status. It's just lawful presence. They're not counting unlawful presence. They're still undocumented. They still have no legal benefits other than the right to, to be able to get to get a work permit in the United States, which we give to anybody who are in the process of deporting who has relief. Because David, here's what's interesting: every one of these people would be eligible for a green card. Do you know that? How? They all have kids who are U.S. citizens. If you have a U.S. citizen, you can get a green card, right? That's, that's been the rule since 1952. So at some point in time, they're all going to get green cards. We know that. It's a fact. Just a fact. Now, under current law, many of them would have to go home for 10 years and wait. But they would come back on a green card. So basically, you would for this group of people, you would unnecessarily separate families for 10 years for what purpose? The rule of law. The rule of law must be followed. David, are there any bad laws out there that you're aware of? Yeah, any bad laws out there? Foolish laws, laws that should never have that were badly thought out, p- badly understood, poorly written? Uh, I think you could go down to our capital and, and find a book. Uh, uh, there's many books of them in our state capital. So many bad laws out there. This happened to be one of them. So every one of them is going to get a green card at some point in life. But before that, once they've been here 10 years, which is 80% of people have been here for 10 years, if they got picked up by immigration, they would be eligible for cancellation of removal. And we've talked many times about cancellation and removal. Which means you have kids here. You show hardship to them. And we'll give you a green card. But there's only 4000 a year we can give. So there's a big, long waiting line for get green cards for this category. But what do you get in the meantime? You get a work permit. So this, this law does nothing more than accelerate what is already in the law. That, that's why there's such huge, amazing, factual inconsistencies and legal misunderstandings by this court. Um, and he says this, the court finds that the acts of Congress deeming removable were passed in part to protect the states and their residents. Indeed, over the decades there have been a constant flood of litigation over the federal enforcement immigration laws. States have been unsuccessful in many of these cases and prevailed in only a few. Very few. Regardless of which side prevailed and what case it was at, everyone can say, the federal government under our federalist system has to to protect the states, which are powerless to protect themselves. So, really, this this judge, he may be writing for the Confederacy here uh, on some of this stuff. Um, now, here's another thing that the court does get right. In the in various situations, Congress has given the DHS secretary the discretion to grant or deny an administrative statement or a removal. Thus, when Congress didn't delegate the right to ignore whether there be such a sexual duty, what he has done so clearly. So, what he's saying is that when Congress wanted you to give action, they have affirmatively stated it. But you don't have any discretion, but he's saying you don't really have the authority under the law to do what you did. Um, now, I could talk for five more hours on this 130-page decision, David, but we don't need to. We don't need to waste a lot of time on this, because at the end of the day, I am fully comfortable with saying, now, I'm, of course, I'm punditing this as this, and I don't know which panel we're going to get at the Fifth Circuit on this case. It could be a panel all appointed by George H.W. Bush to say, no, this judge is right, and we're going to uphold it, and we'll go to Supreme Court. What I do know is this. Whoever wins at the next court at the Court of Appeals will go to the Supreme Court on this issue. And, David, I think that will happen this term. This cannot be allowed to fester like an open wound. It's a preliminary injunction. Therefore, it is of utmost importance. And they're entitled to an immediate appeal. I would suggest that we're probably going to have oral argument in this case sometime in uh, April, if not in March. And that the Court of Appeals will issue a very quick decision one way or the other. And that if they lift the stay, that DOCPA will go into effect, but the Supreme Court may hear oral argument on the case, may hear the case. Should the case go against the Obama administration, and, and the Obama administration have to appeal, I think the Supreme Court will hear the case. So if the states lose, I think the court may hear the case. If states win, I think the court will hear the case. Uh, at the end of the day, this is a very, very contentious issue. Uh, and one which affects the lives of literally millions of people every day. Uh, There is no doubt there are tears being shed at this very moment because of this judge's decision, a decision that is not based soundly in law and is not based soundly in facts. Uh, At the end of the day, I do hope that the Court of Appeals does and conducts a much more reasoned approach to this, and I hope that the Obama administration is uh, prepared... And I assume they have been to file the appeal in this case for quite some time, uh, knowing exactly how the judge uh, would move forward in the case. Maybe the court's going to file it today, but if we file it the next couple of days as they digest the opinion and find that, in fact, uh, there is no uh, there is no uh, uh, jurisdiction here for this judge to hear this case. I want to skip to the kind of the end of this case, um, the judge's final part of his decision here. Um, The court is mindful of its constitutional role to ensure that the powers of each branch are checked and balanced. Nevertheless, if there is a non constitutional ground upon which to judge the case, it is a well established principle that they will not decide it on that case. In this case, the plaintiffs brought substantive and procedural claims under the APA in addition to their constitutional claim. All three claims directed to the same challenge, same action. Thus, the court need only find a likelihood of success on one issue. It is declined to address the constitutional. Consequently, despite the fact that this court may imply imply the court finding differing degrees of merit to the remaining claims. It is specifically withholding a ruling on those claims, and there is no ruling on whether this case is constitutional or not. In conclusion, for these reasons, the court grants the request for preliminary injunctions, finds that at least Texas has satisfied the standing requirements, and the defendants have clearly legislated a substantive rule without complying with the procedural requirements of the APA. Period. That's it. So, the APA Administrative procedures Act said you must do X, Y, Z to issue a rule. Now, here's what's interesting about this If that's the case, if, in fact, something like this needs to go through the APA, I will tell you that that is actually good news. If, that's, if that becomes the law of the land, David, that's good news. Why? One, they can issue regulations on this and then they'll be fine. Two, um, there are countless other FAQs policy memorandum written by every government agency that have been interpreted as the law that clearly violate the APA, if that's the new standard they're arguing here, they clearly violate the APA. And if that's the new standard, I would welcome that as an immigration lawyer because there's lots of really bad interpretations that this judge might like that we will challenge and win on the same logic he has ruled here in regards to the Administrative Procedures Act. So I, I actually welcome this challenge. Um, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're not going to have a, a response from the Court of Appeals, I don't think, before beginning of May, uh, but I do think we'll have one before DAPA is scheduled to start. Uh, I think the Obama administration will keep making plans to implement DAPA at the end of the day, that they're going to do that. Uh, and I think that my advice to people would be this. Don't pay a lawyer anything to do anything. You want to talk to a lawyer about your case? It's a good idea. You they know, we've, we've met with thousands of people, probably 1,000 people so far since the president announced this, and many are eligible for DAPA. But many had other forms of relief they were eligible for. So we've been able to solve people's problems only because they were, they were given the impetus to come forward because of DAPA that have other forms of relief that they can get a benefit from. So uh, I would tell them to keep doing that, keep talking to good lawyers about their cases. But at the same time, don't pay anybody, don't, don't pay a notario, don't pay a lawyer to do a a case because there's nothing to do at this time. Just be very careful and be calm and relax and let the professionals take care of this. Because at the end of the day, David, I think, I keep using that term because it's really important to me, because I look at I look at what the result will be when I'm dead and gone. That result will be that justice will prevail, that right will prevail, and that goodness will succeed. Let's take a break here. We'll be done for this week on the Immigration Argument Radio. Tune in next week. For our next segment, and we're more talk about immigration law. Next. You're listening to America'sWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.